Well, good evening, and if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Job. We're going to start to read from Job chapter 36, verse 1. 36, verse 1. Bear with me for a little longer, and I will show you that there is more to be said on God's behalf. I get my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe justice to my Maker. Be assured that my words are not false. One perfect in knowledge is with you. God is mighty, but doesn't despise men. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. He doesn't keep the wicked alive, but he gives the afflicted their rights. He doesn't take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings. He exalts them forever. But if a man, or but if, if men are bound in chains, held fast by cause of affliction, he tells them what they have done, that they have sinned arrogantly. He makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. The godless in heart harbour resentment, even when he fetters them, they do not cry for help. They die in their youth, among with the prostitutes of the shrines. But those who suffer he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their afflictions. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress, to a spacious place free from restriction, to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. But now... You are laden with the judgment due to the wicked judgment and justice that has taken hold of you. Be careful that no one entices you by riches. Do not let a large bribe turn you aside. Would your wrath or even all your mighty efforts sustain you so you would be in distress so you would not be in distress? Do not long for the night to drag people away from their homes. Beware of turning to evil, which you seem to prefer to affliction. God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed his ways for him, or said to him, you have done wrong? Remember to extol his work, which men have praised in song. All mankind has seen it. Men gaze on it from afar. How great is God beyond our understanding. The number of his years past finding. He draws up the drops of water which distill as rain to the streams and the clouds pour out their moistures and abundant showers fall on mankind. Who can understand how he spreads out the clouds? How he thunders from his pavilion? See how he scatters his lightning about him, bathing the depths of the sea. This is the way he governs the nations and provides food in abundance. He fills his hands with lightning and he commands it to strike its mark. His thunder announces the coming storm. Even the cattle make known his approach. Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the privilege that we have to come into your presence this evening. And as we read these words, we pray that we might learn more about you, more about ourselves, as we consider this book of Job. So we look to you for our guidance and our help as we come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Well, this uh, passage here, uh, Eliu, is speaking, as it appears, on behalf of God. Eliu has listened to all the conversations between Job and his three other friends. And in chapter 35, Eliu has asked Job three questions based on what he claims to have heard Job say. The questions were, and we looked at them last week, what do you gain by being good? Do you think that you deserve God's blessing? Can you earn God's blessing? Eliu will now turn to Job. And he's asking Job to let him continue to speak to him. And he's saying, let me speak to you on God's behalf. Now, the danger of this is, how does he know what God wants to say to Job? You see, the real problem is that Eliu doesn't know why Job is suffering. Therefore, a lot of what he has to say might be true. A lot of it is true. But it doesn't necessarily apply to Job in his present situation. You see, Job is not suffering for his sinful nature. Job Job is not suffering as the result of some self-inflicted addiction. Job is not suffering as a means of him being brought back into the righteous relationship with God. Job's suffering is to the glory of God. We know that the Apostle Paul endured great physical pain. He suffered greatly. And in his suffering, we see something of God's glory. God's glory is revealed to him and to us through the suffering that Paul went through. And when we come to Romans chapter 4, verse 16 through to 25, Paul speaks about someone else. He speaks about how Abraham suffered. Different kind of suffering, but he still suffered. He suffered through years of agony as he waited. Waited for what God had promised him. You know, sometimes waiting for something can be a great uh, means of suffering. So what does Paul say about this? Well, chapter 4, 16. Therefore the promise comes by faith so that it might be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. We see here through his time of suffering, the waiting for the promise, Abraham's faith and God's grace are bringing benefits to many others, including us. And Paul goes on in that Romans chapter 4, As it's written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into bringing things that were not. You know, when, when we don't understand the why, that could be the time that God is in the process of achieving the impossible. That's what was happening with Abraham. Abraham must have asked, why, why, why is it taking so long? Why is it almost seems now that it will never happen? Well, God was in the process of achieving the impossible. And Paul goes on against all hope, Abraham in 
hope believed. Get that phrase? Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. You see, this is Abraham's faith. Abraham's hope was in God through those troubled times. And Paul continues, without weakening in his faith. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. You see, in his weakness, the Lord gave him the strength. And this reveals to us, again, something of the glory of God. And these are things that Paul himself had experienced. But he goes on and talks about Abraham in this chapter 4, and he says, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He has delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. You know, when we consider these things, what we see is this. We see that God allowed his faithful servant, Abraham, to suffer that long wait so that we could see the glory of God. We could see the glory of the God of the impossible. God also allowed Paul to suffer, to suffer so that we might see the glory of God, the God who overcomes our weaknesses and who goes through our troubled times with us. And God allowed Jesus to suffer. He was delivered over to death. Why? For our sins. And was raised to life. Why? For our justification. Job's suffering will show us, amongst other things, that God is the God who is worthy to be praised. And with this in mind... And with what we've just looked at regarding Abraham and Paul, let's just hear what Elio has to say to Job. So let's come to this passage that we read together, uh, chapter 36. I just want to look, first of all, at verse 1 through to 4. As Elio claims to be a divine messenger from God. Verse 1, Elio continued. Bear with me a little longer, and I will show you that there is more to be said on God's behalf. I get my knowledge from afar. I will ascribe justice to my maker. Be assured that my words are not false. One who has perfect knowledge is with you. So he starts off here by saying to Job, Listen, Job, keep listening, and if you keep listening, I will tell you what God wants you to hear. How can I do that? Because I am his messenger. I will tell you about God's justice. And listen, Job, you can trust what I say, because God has given these words to me for you. Let's go through to verse 5 
And this passage, verse 5 through to 25, this is how God's justice works. And as we walk through it together, let's just start with the first few verses of this section. Verse 5 through to 12, and listen to what Elihu has to say. He says this, God is mighty, but despises no one. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. He doesn't keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their rights. He doesn't take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings and exalts them forever. You see, what Elihu is saying here, he's saying, look, look, this is the justice of God. God is a just God. He extends his justice to both the righteous and the wicked. Then he goes on in verse 8 and 9. But if people are bound in chains, held fast by cords of affliction, he tells them what they have done, that they have sinned arrogantly. Remember, he's speaking to Job here. He's got Job in mind. He's telling Job these things. He's really speaking directly to Job. And he's saying, look, Job, God tells the wicked that they have sinned. And then in verse 10, he says, he makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. Now, just if we stop for a moment, we'll see a little bit of a difference here from what Job's other three friends have been saying. You see, Elihu is agreeing with Job. He's agreeing that the righteous might be called to suffer. And this is with a view to restoration. He says this because he sees Job as being a subject of God's discipline. But he's deduced that Job's attitude to his suffering has caused him to continue to sin, to sin by questioning God's justice. And that increases his suffering because he's refusing to acknowledge God's offer of reconciliation. You see how Elihu is, like the three friends, still misunderstanding Job's situation. But in what he's saying, he's calling for a response from Job. So he's saying to him, which way will you turn? And he's going to give him his options. That's in verse 11 and 12. So he's saying to him, look, Job, here are your options. Verse 11. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. They, who are the they? Well, this is a veiled reference to Job. He's already said to Job, you know, listen to me. I'm going to tell you what God wants you to know. And he's telling him that he thinks that God wants Job to confess his sin. But God doesn't want that. God wants Job to stay faithful to him through his time of suffering and not to desert him. So we go on in the next little section here in chapter 36. This is verse 13 through to 15. And Elihu goes on to say that God is a just God. And that is true. God is a just God. But let's hear what he says about it. Verse 13 through to 15. The godless in heart harbour resentment, even when he fetters them. 
They do not cry for help. They die in their youth among the prostitutes of the shrines. But those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. So he was saying, look, listen to what God is saying to you through this time of suffering. Listen to what God is saying. He's saying to you, serve him and he will bless you. Refuse him and perish. But you know, because we know the reason why Job is suffering, we know that Job is serving God. Job is saying faithful. His faith is, it might be weak, but it's getting stronger. He's not deserting God. He's staying faithful to God. So let's listen to what else Elio has to say. In verse 16 through to 21, he says, God is calling you to repentance. And this is where he's got it wrong. Verse 16 He's wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. He's saying, look, Joe, this is what you can have. And he goes on in verse 17. But now you are laden with the judgment due to the wicked. Judgment and justice have taken hold of you. So he's saying, look, this is where you are now, Job. And he goes on in verse 18 and 19. Be careful that no one entices you by riches. Do not let a large bribe turn you aside. Would your wealth or even all your mighty efforts sustain you so you would not be in distress? In other words, he's saying, look, Job, you know that you can't help yourself. Verse 20 and 21. Do not long for the night to drag people away from their homes. Beware of turning to evil, which you seem to prefer to affliction. What are you saying here in these few verses? Look, Job, look at what you can have. Look at the state you're in now, the helpless state where you can't help yourself. Do you want to stay in your sin? Job, do you want to take the road to restoration or the road to destruction? Can you see how these words are not applying to Job's situation? But Elio will go on with another call for Job to respond to what he's saying. This is verses 22 through to 25. God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed his ways for him? Or said to him, you have done wrong. Remember to extol his work, which people have praised in song. All humanity has seen it. Mortals gaze on it from afar. These are true words, really. He's telling Job the... The greatness of God as a teacher. And as he does this, he's saying that when we see him, this is a call for humility, not arrogance. Eliu has challenged Job to respond to God's offer of forgiveness as he sees him as being judged by God for his sin. So he takes it upon himself to remind Job that God is far greater than Job thinks God is. 
Ziario doesn't realise. Job is well aware of who God is. He realises who God is. He realises the greatness of God. He realises the authority of God. But Elihu can't see this in Job. So Elio will continue to speak about the greatness of God as seen in his mighty hand of creation. And here he will see that, uh, we will see, that there's no real break between chapter 36 and 37. Remember, the scriptures are broken up into verse and, and chapter so that we can navigate our way through it easily and find uh, places that we want to refer to quite easily. In verse 36 and 37, Elio continues with his discourse on the greatness of God. And we're going to look at that next time. But I want us to finish this evening with a few um, challenging thoughts that we can take away with us. As we've considered um, the likes of Paul and how he suffered, considered how Abraham must have suffered, how uh, Jesus needed to suffer, and how Job is suffering at this moment. You know, when we look at the call of light today, all of us at some time or other will ask two questions of God. Things will happen in our lives when we will say to God, how can you allow this to happen to me? That's the first question. Another question we are likely to ask at certain points in our lives. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? These are things that Job has asked. You know, there's a strong possibility that if we in our lives ask these questions of God, we will never know the answer. And on those occasions when we're searching for answers, we might look towards our friends for answers who, like us, may not have the answers. And sometimes, as we search for reasons, we're confused, just as Job is confused. And for our friends in their search for reasons, they often come up with the wrong conclusions, as Job's friends did. What have we seen so far? Uh, as we draw towards the end of the book of Job, we're not there yet, but we're entering into the final chapters. But just look, let's just think this evening what we have learned. We've learnt this one. Job never stops believing and trusting in God. Yes, he's confused. But he could still say the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Secondly, what about Job's friends? Job's friends were of the opinion that they, in their wisdom had come up with some answers. Maybe the advice that they needed was some advice that we are given in the book of Proverbs. Listen to what Proverbs 3 verse 5 says. And remember this was written after the after Job and his friends. But Proverbs 3 verse 5 would have been good for them and it's good for us to think about. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Thirdly, we see that the Lord is in control. He has his reasons in allowing Job to suffer. He knows the end from the beginning. And he knows that through this, 
we will see God's glory. Satan will be defeated. And he knows that Job will be blessed. You see, God knew why he let Abraham and Sarah live through the agonizing long wait for a son. God knew why he allowed Paul to suffer so much abuse as he faithfully preached the gospel. He knew why Jesus had to suffer and die on a cross. And part of the reasons for these things was that you and I could have the benefit of knowing these things so that we could trust in Jesus, so that we could be as faithful as Paul, as patient as Abraham, and to persevere like Job, and to be more compassionate than Job's friends were. And this is all to the glory of God. We see what God has done in the past. We can know what God can do in the present. And what he will do in the future. More of God's plan is still to be revealed. As we continue to stay faithful, trusting in God's grace and in the knowledge that we might not know the whys and the wherefores, but we do know that God is in control. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this short time we spent together around your word and just remind us of the things that we have heard as we've travelled through this book of Job. Just remind us of the things that you would have us remember and not just have a head knowledge of, but to be able to apply them to our situations, whatever situation we find ourselves in. There'll be times of trouble. There'll be times of people we know who have troubles. And I follow, we pray that you might help us to respond in the way that you would have us respond in these situations. And we thank you for what you can teach us from this book of Job, from the life of Job. But we thank you more for what we can achieve through the one who suffered more than anyone has suffered or anyone will ever suffer. That we, through the cross, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, can have eternal life. Our Father, we bring these things before you. In his name, in the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.